Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and I welcome you to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Our topic today, money management and who isn't interested about that. Our guest today is Pamela Carmichael and she's been a financial services professional for over 15 years and holds a degree in economics and accounting. She's the award-winning author of the book, Financial Empowerment. Realign Your Finances with God's Will. She's a certified professional coach and a success principles coach. And she's here today to talk to us about money management. During the next hour, you are going to discover the most common mistake people make with money, the biblical definition of financial empowerment, the three critical principles of money management, practical strategies to reduce spending without losing your joy, some key, way pract- or some key practices to help you keep out of and or reduce your stress, and a unique approach that enables you to save money consistently. So with that, I welcome you, Pamela Carmichael. Hi, Marnie. Thank you. Hi, and you're hailing all the way from Barbados, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, nice that's hot awesome. Barbados. That's right, hot sunny Barbados. That's awesome. And you, you have kind of an interesting story behind how you came to write the book Financial Empowerment. So maybe just start us off very briefly with with how that book ever came about. Oh, well, this book came about uh, not because I thought that I was a great writer, but because of a time of prayer that I had at my church. We were going through a prayer chain, and everyone was given a topic. And my topic was financial empowerment and uh, basically praying for the needs of of the congregation. And um, when I received the the topic heading, I said, this of all topics, I, I need help financially. Why should I be praying for other people? Was was sort of kind of my thought because, you know, mm. I, I had my challenges that I was facing. So in any case, I I obeyed. I I knew I had a task to do, and at the hour that I was supposed to pray, I I prayed, and I asked God, "What is financial empowerment, and 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 how can your people become financially empowered?" And while I was praying, the 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 thirteen chapters in the book, the the titles of those chapters were given to me during that very hour. And wow. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you could write a book. And I said, wow. And I thought, me? So that's how this book came about. And as the weeks <laughs> proceed, following that, um, ideas just kept flowing into my mind. And, uh, you know, I discussed it with my pastor then uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, sometimes you, you don't think you're qualified, but if God says to do it, then go ahead and do it. And, and that mm. was enough encouragement for me. So that's how financial empowerment came about. Wow, that's amazing. Well, let's go ahead and dive right in here. What is the most common mistake that we make with money? Oh, yeah, but we are usually very over-obsessed with it. We're preoccupied with it. And and I guess it's natural because um, there's a nothing in life that you don't do where money isn't involved. Uh, you buy groceries, you, you put gas in your car, whatever you do there, the, the, money, the money is the exchange. So we become a little bit obsessed with it and, and we worry too much about whether we have enough to spend on, and how we can keep it or how we can make more. We, we're just fully occupied with this whole thing of this whole concept of money and, and it is it, and we worry about it. Like Jesus said, he told us not to worry about it, but we still worry about it. We still worry about how, what we're going to wear. We still worry about um, what food we're going to eat. We worry about it all. Yet Jesus says, don't worry about it. So that is one of the common things. As much as, you know, God has said, don't worry, 
I'm going to take care of you. We still worry. We still get over-obsessed about it. Hmm. So I yeah. say that's, that's, that's one of the main issues that most of us have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you think about when you think about it, I mean, and maybe you're going to talk about this later in the hour too, um, the most common mistake, worry, you know, when you feel like you don't have enough, I mean, there doesn't seem to be a lot of options. I mean, prayer um, and faith, but um, worry mm-hmm. and preoccupation and being obsessed, I mean, th- those are the things that, that come naturally, especially when money is very short. Yes, it is. Um, yes, I... I I, I understand. I mean, nobody wants to be falling short and not being able to pay their bills or whatever the case may be. And, and like I mentioned before, uh, at the time I, I did this preaching, I was saying to God, God, I need help financially too. But I realized that sometimes uh, the problem can be on our end, and it's usually on our end, more than, and, and it's not necessarily that we don't have enough, it's sometimes, and it usually comes down to the fact that we're not managing what we have the way he wants us to manage it. So then, uh, for example, we overspend, and then we fall into debt, and then it becomes a ripping effect. And then we're telling, telling God, God, I need help. But how did it start? It was because of yeah. something that we did. Something that I did. Maybe I overspent. Maybe I didn't mm-hmm. budget properly, or um, you know, I, I was whimsical with you know money when I should have been saving it. So there, yeah. there are different reasons why we get where we, we we the point we get to, and unfortunately, it ends up with worry and sleepless nights and and not knowing what to do because it becomes debt is really a very heavy burden to carry. So it is. Yeah. It's not that Yeah. It's not I that I always um, say that go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Pam. No, I'm saying it's not that, you know, it's 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 not just a, a financial thing. It's it's emotionally it's an emotionally stressful thing to have that and not know how to get out of it. Or mm-hmm. not see the light at the end of the tunnel even though you keep paying month after month or week after week. Mhm. So, yep, so we have to, but it starts with not obsessing about it and not thinking that we need to be constantly thinking about what we can do to to make money or what how we can make it happen. Um, it, it comes down to trusting God, I, I would say, is important, regardless of so whether you think it is or not. What is the definition of financial empowerment? Well... It sounds like a really big title, I guess, but it's not about lots of money. It's not about making lots of money. It's not necessarily about having lots of money, but it's about the wisdom to know what to do with what you have, how to use it correctly in your life, and how to use it to build the kingdom of God. So financial empowerment is about the ability for you to build your life using uh, biblical principles and practical principles as well or practical solutions so that you are not in a position of debt or you're not in a position where you can't meet your needs on a daily or monthly or weekly basis, but you are able to handle life. And for everybody, um, the, your level of monetary success or, or money, money, um, or, or how much money you think is, is what you need is different for every person. So it's not about the millions of dollars, but it's about being able to know that what you have, you can take it, you can manage it. You can also grow it. You can also increase it. And it's also about learning to trust God to provide for you and to guide you in your money management practices. Because sometimes we think that, okay, money... It's a worldly thing. I can handle this. I don't need God. But in everything we do, it, it's amazing that of all the topics in the Bible, money is talked about, what, over 2,000 and 2,300 times. So we need to 
realize that it is important and God sees it important and we need to involve him in it. So part of financial empowerment is involving God in the process. So that's basically what financial empowerment is about. Cool. So what are three um, critical principles of money management? Um, well, I, first of all, I talked about the fact that involving God is, is necessary. And one of the first things I talk about in my book is recognizing that God is your source. We can, if I ask you that question, Marnie, do you believe that God is your source? You know, at 99.9% of the time, anyone who answers that question will say, yes, he is. However, when we get to the point where uh, money is low or, you know, there's some difficulty that arises that requires a little more than we, what we have in our pockets, most of the time we don't point to God. Most of the time we don't say, God, I need your help with this one. We try to find in our minds, we start thinking about all the possible solutions we can come up with. So we really need to recognize critical to any success in our finances is that God is the source. It's not your job. It's not your business. It's not anything that you do in order to make money. It is God who is ultimately the source. Like scripture said, all things belong to him. So we need to remember that. And then secondly, I'll say we need to honor God. And honor God not secondly, not honor God midway, but honor God first. Scripture says we are supposed to seek him first. And I believe seeking him first is not just in, um, you know, pray or uh, Bible study, but seeking him first in every aspect of your life, which also includes how you manage your money and how you treat your money. Scripture says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, I really like this one, and from the good, the God's Word translation, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of your income, of all your income. So give God your best, first and foremost. Give God what is your best. And there's a promise. He says, God says he will fill your barns, or if you want to put it in modern day language, he will fill your accounts to the full. He will give you what you need to the overflow so that you will have more than what you need. So it's really critical, I think, that we honor God first in our finances, that we make given a part of, of our, make given a priority when we, are, when we are going through our finances and when we receive income, make giving uh, the first priority that we, do, that we have. And another one that we don't like, plan your finances. Plan what you're going to do with your money. We have desires. We, we have goals. We have plans. But do we really sit down and realize that? If I want to, for example, uh, do a pers- some personal development course, or I want to go back to school and get a degree, it's going to cost me money. Do I just suddenly decide today that I'm going to pick up my bags tomorrow and I'm going to go to school? No, we plan for it. But part of that planning involves knowing how you're going to get the money to get to that point. So I always look at planning your, your having your financial goals like a, is like a road trip. You're going somewhere, and when you're taking a road trip, you lay out your plan, and you know which route you're going to take. But at the same time, you consider the possibility that there are some things that, um, some diversions I may have to make, because there may be construction, there may be bad weather on the, on the road. Something else might occur, and I might have to make a diversion, but that diversion doesn't take me off track. That diversion um, is just temporary, and then I get back on track to go to my desired destination. Your finances is pretty much like that. If you want to achieve a certain amount of, of um, say you want to save $1,000 within, you know, the next three months, you need, or the next four months, you need, 
you need to figure out how you're going to save that $1,000. Um, do you have the resources right now or are there, or is there a need for you to make income in some other way for you to get to that point of that $1,000 in the next four months? So planning your finances is necessary. Take, having a goal of where you want to be a year from now, five years from now, is something that you need to consider and write it down, put it on paper, uh, pray about it, but discuss it with your spouse um, and really think about how you can achieve those goals you want to achieve because everything in your life is intertwined and money is intertwined in the midst of everything you do, whether it's education, whether it's your, your regular need to buy groceries and, and you know, get clothing for your children or for yourself or, or make sure that the house that you live in is properly maintained. All these things require funds. All these things require money. So we need to make sure that we plan what we're doing with our money. So it's, necess- it's a necessary part, a critical part of, of um, your money management. Um, this is Marnie Swedberger talking today with Pamela Carmichael. Her website is Pamela V. Carmichael, and Carmichael is C-A-R-M-I-C-H-A-E-L, PamelaCarmichael.com. And um, we're going to come right back and talk a little bit more about the principles of money management. We'll be right back. planning an event for women or maybe you would like to attend an event for women but you don't know where to find them. If you go over to womensevents.info, which is a subdomain again of .com, but it's called womensevents.info, you will find all of the major upcoming women's events, including Beth Moore, Women's Faith, all kinds of different events there. And you are welcome to add your own Christian women's event at that site. There's usually a per event cost or else a per month cost, and you can do unlimited per month or a year unlimited or a lifetime unlimited, or if you just join the mentorship program at Marnie.com with the shop button at the top right of the Marnie.com page, you are going to get all of that <laughs> included. You can enter all of your events there. So check it out at womensevents.info. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are visiting today with Pamela Carmichael, the author of the book called uh, Financial Empowerment, Realign Your Finances to God's Will. Uh, we were just talking before our break about the three critical principles of money management. First of all, God is my source. Second of all, honor God first. And third, plan your finances. And Pamela, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the challenge of balancing number one and number three. God is my source, and I don't need to worry about finding solutions, or it's not my job or my problem or my business, it's God's. And number three, which is planning and actually taking steps of action and knowing how to um, decipher when I'm running out ahead of God, when I'm trying to play God, and when I'm actually doing God's business um, in his way. So maybe Mm -hmm. just address that for us. Well, they almost seem like two opposites, eh? Because Uh one, I'm telling you to trust God to provide for you because he's your source. And then I'm turning around and saying to you, you need to apply your finances. God is a God of wisdom. And scripture says, ask him for wisdom. So when you're planning, you're not just doing it um, off the fly, so to speak. But you're asking God for the wisdom for the, to, to, to plan it out. When you, when you sit down, in, uh, whether with pen or paper or in front of your computer or spread, using a spreadsheet, ask God, how should you deal with what you have? How should you work through what you have? And to me, when you're planning, you're trusting also because you're making a projection with the belief that what you're seeing ahead of you on paper is what God is going to do for you. Mm-hmm. When you're planning, you're, trust, you're trusting. And I always uh, say this too. Um, sometimes we don't think that we should plan anything because, and, and I guess this is a good reason for your question, because we, we're Christians and we tell ourselves, oh, I don't need to plan anything. God will take care of it. 
sometimes we can have that. That's definitely the other side of of the picture. Oh, God will take care of it, no problem. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to plan. But God plans. He planned our salvation. He laid it out, and he told us what he was going to do. He told us he would send Jesus to to save us. Right? It was a plan. Mm -hmm. He knew we needed redemption, and he planned it out and says, this is how I'm going to redeem my children. So God plans things, and Scripture also says, he has made plans for us, and his plans start to prosper us, Jeremiah 23 and 29, verse 11. So his desire is to prosper us. His, his, and he says, there are plans that I have for you, right? So if God is planning for you, why won't you uh, align yourself with him and plan as well? And say, God, show me what, it, what you want to, me to accomplish in my life, and what you want me to accomplish financially, and work along with God and make your plans. That's, that's how yeah. we merge the two of those together. Yeah, and I like to use a couple analogies. One is put your hand out in front of you, and then you put your plan in that open hand, and you do not close your fingers around the plan. <laughs> you yeah. keep the mm-hmm. hand open and let God change that plan, blow it away, you know, completely realign it, um, you know, just let it be God's plan, but it's in your open hand, and then go for it. And yes. that, that really helps yes. me because a lot of times my plans aren't his plans. I mean, he says that very clearly in the Bible, and sometimes I'm not, you know, hearing correctly or my own, um, my own ideas got in the way or whatever. So just to hold it in an open hand. And then the other analogy I use a lot, Pamela, is um, the whiteboard. There's a big whiteboard in front of me, and it's, you know, standing the tall way. And I draw a line right across the middle. Underneath, I say, this is all Marnie's stuff under the line, and above the line is all God's stuff. And so up here on the God yeah. side is, like, world peace and, you know, the U.S. economy and um, mm-hmm. the air I breathe, you know, things that are just too big for me, eternity, you know, can't possibly really affect those today but the stuff that feels like it's on my part of the board down underneath is you know how I'm going to pay the bill that's due tomorrow and what I'm going to serve for supper and you know where (laughs) I'm going to go next week those kind of things feel like they're in my section but the reality is that all day long I am um, in my spirit in my heart I am grabbing each of those things that appear to be on my bottom part of the whiteboard and I lift them up with a hand of praise and I put them up into God's realm and I say this is yours is there anything I can do for you today and that just changes it all for me when I am trying you know you talked about uh, God is my source and how we try to find the solutions ourselves and that is um I mean, it's right for us to ask for wisdom, and I think that's what we would say. I'm just asking for wisdom, and I'm listening to any idea that comes to my mind. But the difference mm-hmm. is that when God owns it, I'm just running an errand for him. That's all I'm doing. I, it's not my hmm. problem. It's not my bill. It's, I, I own only those things that he asks me to do something about. And so it really is freeing, and a lot of people would say irresponsible, and I, I'm afraid that... I've had to really deal with that, and maybe you can uh, address this too, but I've had to really deal with the, I'm not going to say conviction, I'm going to say the um, probably evil (laughs) input into my mind that says that trusting God is irresponsible, because honestly, sometimes it looks and feels irresponsible. Have you ever experienced that? Because sometimes, honestly, when you're trusting God, people are thinking you're being illogical. Right. They think that, what, how could you say you're trusting God and, and what are you trusting God for? It doesn't make sense. And I've had friends, uh-huh. you know, our family say, that doesn't make sense. Why don't you yep. do X or why don't you do B? Um, because, you, you know, you're intelligent enough. That's what they tell you. Yes, God gives us intelligence. He expects us to use it. But he really does want us to trust him. And to me, he's up there, and he knows everything that's going on down here. He knows everything there is about my life from beginning to end. And this is the way I look at it. If God has numbered every hair on my head, I have no clue how much hair I have on my head. 
Randy's really interested in me. So I should I trust somebody that. who has taken so much time to, and taken so much care to know every detail about me that I don't even know about myself. Mm-hmm. So I need yeah. to, so, so for that reason, trust God. Yeah. It's another other reason. I like, um, I want to go back and talk about number two also for just a minute. Uh, honor mm-hmm. God first. And I loved, you give him the first and the best part of your income, and then he promises to fill your barns and accounts to full. And yet mm-hmm. we know, Pamela, that there are, you know, definitely people in the Bible, there are people we know maybe we are at times in a situation where our barns are not full, <laughs> where we mm-hmm. are not overflowing with financial mm-hmm. blessings and where we are still expected to just trust and obey in those situations too. When someone has really, to the best of their knowledge, given God their first and their best, and yet they are in a situation where they have lack or they need something that they do not have, what would you encourage that person with? Don't change your focus. <laughs> it, right. It's still trusting God. Let me explain uh, from a personal, personal story. Um, you know, I've written a book on financial empowerment, and some people may probably think that, you know, Pamela Carmichael is loaded. Not really. When I wrote that book, I was, like I said, when I was even praying, I was going through some financial challenges. There was only one person in my household working myself. And um, therefore, the load was, financial load was heavier than usual. And um, there were times I went to church and I, and I believed in giving offering. And, you know, the offering pretty passed. And I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? I emptied my purse of every piece of change I had, and I put it in offering. I said, God, you're my source. You will provide. Did I go without food? No. Did I not, was I not able to pay my bills? No. I was able to pay my bills. I was able to have food. I was able to have shelter, even though I emptied what was probably my last into the offering plate. We have to learn to trust God. God provided in different ways by, you know, even something as sometimes we don't realize it. It's the simplest little thing that someone can do for you uh, may seem like nothing to them, but it's really big to you. And there were times when I, I suddenly I just had people inviting me over for dinner. Like, how come you have dinner with us? And, you know, for me, it relieved the stress. I didn't have to worry about food to, to go and buy the groceries or, you know, look for something to put on the, on the dinner table. Somebody invited me, a friend invited me, my family for dinner, whatever the case may be. And, he's got a, and those little things mean a lot. And sometimes people don't say anything about it. Like maybe you didn't tell that friend afterwards, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you invited me for dinner because God used you to uh-huh. give me a meal tonight. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard. I'm not, I wouldn't tell anybody it's hard. As, you know, the saying goes, been there, done that, experienced it. But I will tell you, just keep trusting. Just right. keep trusting God and do, it and do what he says to do. Yeah. do and I think we go, back. Yeah, we go back to Paul's experience in the New Testament where he mm-hmm. really went through terribly difficult situations that... Um, you know, where he even was hungry and he didn't have anything to wear. He was naked and he was in prison and yet God was taking care of him. And so a lot of times we have to kind of adjust adjust our um, definitions and expectations to line up with God's truth for where he has us today and to remember that a lot of times we're going through something that's a temporary thing and that this too shall pass and it's not, not going to stay this way forever. So hold on to your faith and hope. And, and I, I love the story of Job myself. Um, I know some people say that he had all those things happen to him because he was fearful. But from my perspective, God, God pointed out that he really loved Job's heart and that's why those things happened yes. to him. And mm-hmm. it was for an example to us. And, and God's answer to him was really kind of takes our breath away. He just says, you don't know what I'm doing. That's really what he said to Job. 
You don't know why I'm doing this. So just keep on trusting. And, and that's really where I want to live. And I know, Pamela, that's where you want to live, too. Well, this is Marnie yes. Swedberg. We're visiting today with Pamela Carmichael of PamelaVCarmichael.com, the author of Financial Empowerment. We're going to come right back and talk about some practical strategies to reduce spending without losing your joy. We'll be right back. 21 day wins i love these these occur most months of the year the only time i don't do a 21 day win group coaching is if i will be traveling more than two of the three coaching sessions in the month so if you want to break a habit replace a bad habit with a good one or start a new habit or if you want to complete a project and you'd like some help so maybe this is something you've been trying to do for a while and you'd like to really get it done this month you just go over to marnie.com and under events pick live and upcoming events and you can register for a 21 day win there you can pay for that monthly you can pay for it for life and get in as many as you want or you can just join the mentorship program at the shop button at the top of any page at marnie.com and members get in free always it includes a workbook as well as the weekly group coaching over at a private facebook page so hope you'll join us for an upcoming 21 day win Welcome back. This is Marty Swedberg. Our guest today, Pamela V. Carmichael, is talking to us about money management. And we are going to uh, launch right into the next section of this, talking about practical strategies to reduce spending without losing your joy. Pamela, I think all of us would say that going on a tight budget or having to give up something that we've been used to enjoying is not fun. And um, so how, how do you help people when they need to tighten the belt a little bit? How do you help them to keep their joy and yet accomplish what they want to do financially? I, I'm going to tell you what I did first. <laughs> uh, it, sounds, it may sound silly, but I said to God, God, curb my appetite. <laughs> curb my appetite for spending. Um, so that I don't buy things just because they're on sale or, or because, you know, you can go into a store and they, they, by all means you will see something that you like. Guaranteed. So I just ask God, you know, at this particular point and stage in my life, I don't need to be spending any more than I have to. So curve my appetite. Don't let me spend any more than I have to. And, and God is faithful. He, he did it. And what I realized that on that journey, um, you know, you're not on your own. You're not by yourself. You're not in a little shell on your own. So my family, I said, God, also do it for my family. Uh-huh. You know, because sometimes uh-huh. when you go to the store, your, your children's, your children would see something they like and, oh, mommy, can I have that? Oh, mommy, can I have that? Or, you know, I was joking with a friend recently, and I was, I was giving her a story. I said, you know, whenever I go to the supermarket, I'm more than I can. And, you know, so I said to God, God, curb types of spending. Let the desire for, you know, the things that they like all the time, let them tell me, oh, no, I don't need that today. Huh. And God uh-huh. did it. <laughs> right? So it's not... It, 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 I just decided one day, you know what, I'm going to try this because I would always be tempted. As long as you walk into a grocery store, as long as you go into a shopping mall, you'll be tempted. So I just said, God, I don't need that temptation. So just curb my desire first to spend money that I don't, to spend on things that I don't really need or want, whatever the case may be. So sometimes it's, like- not, it's not, go ahead. I can't. I kind of like the um, phraseology of it, curb my appetite for spending, because just saying (laughs) help me spend less, um, what Mm -hmm. that part addresses is it addresses the actual action, like help me spend less. But your prayer, curb curb my appetite for spending, actually addresses the root of why you're spending is because you have a hunger. There is a sensation that is kind of uncomfortable for you that's leading you to spend. And I like the idea of actually addressing the root cause, the appetite for spending, you know, and and to, yeah. to ask God to actually take away so that not only will I not spend money as much, but I don't even have to feel the pain as much. That's an awesome prayer. I love that. True. 
you know, I have I I've heard a, a friend of mine, a lady, says that she likes shopping, and she doesn't call it shopping; she calls it retail therapy. And I said to myself, that's such a sweet way of of saying, I just want to spend money on whatever mm. I want to spend it on, so that I can feel good. Mm. So it really is. What what's the root behind the spending? What's the cause behind the spending? Right. Why are you spending? Because sometimes we, a lot of times we go home, and after we've shopped, and we say, I don't really think I need this, and then we go through this process of um, going back to the store and returning items that we don't need, and 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 then we leave the store with something else, and it's like <laughs> a cycle. Huh. So what's behind your spending? Why are you spending? So part of it is asking God to curb the appetite for spending and also asking him to help you identify why you think you need to spend so much. But we don't want to lose the joy, right? So let's do it a different way. Have a friend. When you go shopping, don't go shopping by yourself. Grab someone to go with you. And the challenge here is the person you're grabbing to go with you, you're going to say, okay, we're going shopping today. We're doing a usual. Maybe you're doing groceries and you have to go get a few things, in the items in the mall or whatever. But this, we're going to spend X, Y, Z. We're not going to go over, let's say, $100. And you and your friend challenge yourself not to go over that $100, no matter what. No matter how long you're out shopping, it's $100. And probably the easiest way to do it is to just take that cash off your account and, assign, and say, you know, this is it and no more. And you challenge yourself and your friend, this is how much we're going to spend today and that's it. And you may have to do it a couple of times so that you discipline yourself and, you, you're, and you're doing it with your buddy, you're doing it with your friend. And that, kind of, that really helps when you have somebody who can support you um, with your goals and you can also su- be a support to them. So to each other, you're both being accountable. And because uh, there's that unity and agreement, uh, you don't feel bad when your friend says to you, hey, you're forgetting. You said that you're not going to spend over this amount or over that amount. And, you, you know, you, you would find that sometimes... You may go over, but you'll realize over and over uh, gradually that you'll discipline yourself to the point where before you leave home, you tell yourself, this is the amount of money I'm going to spend and no more. It's either under but never over. Mm-hmm. And with practice, you'll realize that it's, it becomes very easy to do because you'll, you'll go out to the store and as much as you see something you're like, your appetite is being curbed, right? Um, remember, you'll look at that thing and you'll say, that's not planned for, so forget it. And you'll learn to walk away very easily. I had a thing I did with our kids when they were little, and they've all grown up to be very, very um, good with money, which is pretty astounding. Usually in a family you have a mixed bag, and I'm not saying that this was all due to me because if I would have had a couple more kids, I'm sure I would have had one that would have kind of turned off the other way. But, But one of the things I did with them when they were little was when we would go to a store that had things that would be of interest to them, they yeah. they had their own money, and um, mm-hmm. they, we never did we never did allowances because I feel like the only time an adult ever gets an allowance is when they're on welfare. Otherwise, adults always earn their own money, and hopefully right. you can get off welfare quickly if you need to have it for a short period of time. But it wasn't something I wanted to train our kids to get used to is just receiving money for no work. So we mm-hmm. us, we always had our kids earn their money uh, from the time they were tiniest. And then half of their money would go into a savings account, which they each bought a car with as soon as they were old enough. Um, they had enough money in that account to buy a car. And then mm-hmm. uh, 10% went to God. Of course, that was first. But then 10% went to God, and then 50% went into savings account. So they had 40% of their money left to spend. And mm-hmm. we would go to the store, and they would always come running up to me, can I buy this, can I buy this? And, of course, the first question is, do you have enough money? And then the second question is, okay, is that what you looked at last time you were here? Because remember our rule. And the rule was 
that we never bought anything on the first time we saw it. We always waited a time and bought it the next time. And what Mm -hmm. was so good for them in that practice was that they found that what intrigued them this week, next week was no longer the thing they wanted, but they hadn't spent their money. So they still had money to dream about this next item. And then I would say, okay, but that isn't what you were looking at last week. So, you know, next week if you still want that one. You know, and what, what we found was that by the time they bought something, it was really what they wanted. And they really enjoyed it and took care of it better. So um, yeah. this, the same principle works. And how I shop, um, if I'm looking for a particular um, outfit or something, like if I need a pair of slacks or something like that, what I do is I shop the stores that would maybe have that pair of pants or whatever it is that I need. And then as soon as I've found a couple that I like, then I I decide between those and then I go back and buy it. Now that's assuming I have Mm -hmm. enough time. If I don't have time, I just have to buy the first pair that that fits the budget and fits the the body and fits the budget. But um, if I have enough time, I really like to shop first and then go back to the the one of choice and buy it. And that's what I've always done with shopping um, instead of just going buying, buying, buying. Um, You know, there is a difference between shopping and buying. there, mm-hmm. There's a distinction there, so it's important to to think about that. Well, Pamela, what did you have other strategies for reducing spending without losing your joy? Um, we could uh, move on to the next point. Okay. Uh, All the right. other so two weeks I kind of wrote to. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about some key practices to keep you out of or reduce your debt. And I don't know what the statistics are right now in the United States, but I know that they're big, um, lots of debt, lots of debt, and really almost, um, you know, the way that the culture is set up, it's almost impossible to function without debt, although you can do it, but as far as like owning a home or different things like that, most people have some debt going on. So let's address people that currently have debt, and what are some ways that you can reduce your debt? Um, This one, we generally don't like to hear, and that's just cut the credit cards up. And and, and that's really hard to do when um, you're kind of living on borrowed cash already. Um, but you have to start somewhere. And when you cut those cards up, and in conjunction with that, you're going to talk to your credits, creditors and start to negotiate how you're going to repay your debt. But if you have something that's tempting you, which is your, your credit card, why keep it? There's no point keeping something that's going to make you continue down the road that you don't want to be on. Um, so cut the card. Cut as many of them up as you possibly can because, honestly, sometimes we have we – have, where do you find people with just one credit card? Most people have two and three and four cards, you know, for the department stores or the Visa or the Master. We, we have a lot of different cards because we think we need all of them. And sometimes we don't realize how much those uh, cards add up to in credit limit. And we're way over what we need to be, and our credit score has been look awful because we have so much credit with different institutions. So we need to, to cut and make a plan as to how you're going to pay it off and negotiate with your creditors as to how, you're going to, how best you can repeat. Now, when you're negotiating, one of the things I would say you need to do is before you pick up that phone or you and make the call, ask God how to approach this situation because there are different ways in which you may be able to help yourself out. You, you can negotiate and say, uh, you want to reduce the amount that you pay on a monthly basis until XYZ time, maybe a year from now when you, you figure you're back on your, you're, you're going to be a little better financially. Maybe you might ask them to reduce interest rates. Some interest rates are really too high, too exorbitant. Or maybe you can ask them to discount the amount that you actually owe to them. Some institutions actually would be willing to discount them. 
and revise your payment terms. So ask God how to best to approach the situation, how best to deal with the, the people that you would have to come in contact with when you're going to negotiate. And, um, uh, Pamela, Pamela, Pamela yeah. let me interrupt mm-hmm. you there. Um, mm-hmm. I've, never had to, I've never had to make a call like that. If somebody was going to actually call like a visa, or uh, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, and say, yeah. um, how can you help me? How, how would you even begin that conversation? What, what exactly out of your mouth would you say to launch that conversation? Well, you, I think you have to... I, matter if I had to do it, I've never had to do it either, but um, scenarios that play out, basically you're saying, okay, I know I owe XYZ amount on my visa card, and right now I do not plan on adding any more credit or debt to this amount, and I would like to, you know, negotiate or like to find a way in which I can start to reduce the amount that I owe to you. So um, you could suggest to them, what you would like to, and, and I, I most of the time, uh, from other accounts of what people have said to me, when you suggest I want to pay, uh, say, $50 a month versus $75 a month, they're willing to take it from you. They're willing to agree to the lower amount because you're actually willing to pay. You're paying something. Right. And, and most of these credit card companies are happy if you will pay something versus nothing. Okay. That that's just where your plus is. That you're you're calling and saying I'm willing to pay, as opposed to not calling and being silent and you know receiving phone calls from the creditors and never responding. They're, okay. They're so you're, ta- you you're, you're mostly talking about when you can't, like if you were in a position where you couldn't make a basic payment, where you couldn't make your minimum yeah. payment. That's the point at which you're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to imagine, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're making payments and, you know, what what would be the reason they would want to, you know, reduce your total. But I see if you cannot make the payment, that's what you're talking about. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and move. Did you have anything else for reducing debt? Cut up the credit cards, make a plan, and negotiate with credit card, creditors. Is there anything else for reducing debt? Uh, consider other ways of making money. Consider other streams of income. Um, that could vary. It could be something that you have as a hobby and, and you decide that you want to um, make it into a, a sideline business. Um, and there are many opportunities online where you can uh, join online sites that have jobs for work at home or for, you know, things as from as far as writing articles to uh, doing mystery shopping, you name it, there are different ways in which you can make income. I, I remember uh, having a, uh, a discussion with a dear friend and, you know, she was at the point where her finances were not the greatest and she said, Lord, I need you to, sh- to show me how to be creative and, and how I can you know, do better for myself and my family. And, you know, at first she was just talking about talking to God about creativity from the perspective of, you know, I've got this much in my cupboard or in my fridge to feed my family. How can I, you know, consistently give them a regular meal, a healthy one? And, you know, then she realized, you know, well, God, God I seem to be doing pretty good in this part. How else can I be creative? And this time, instead of just working with what I have, how can I, how can I be creative to bring in something that I don't have? And God showed her that, you know, you have something that you do that you like, but you never thought about using it as a means of income. She likes to make jewelry. She she liked, um, she was very artistic. She liked crafts, and she started to make jewelry, and it was quite. The, the pieces are quite unusual. And generally, she would look at you and she would make something for you, but she wouldn't necessarily make it for someone else. So her jewelry was more specialized to the person. And because of that, there, there, people were attracted to her, to her, her jewelry making, and she, she's doing very well. So sometimes it's right there under our nose, so to speak, mm. things that we can do that would help us. So yeah. we just need to and, kind of step back also because we're so worried about the burden of the debt that 
you know, all we think about is, oh, I've got to pay this off. I've got to pay this off. But sometimes you have to step back and say, okay, I think I've done in, enough in this area. God, what else can I do? Yeah. So. Yeah. And how about, how about staying out of debt in the first place? Uh, there's one thing to reduce debt, but how about staying out of debt? Well, staying out of debt comes back down to, um, I would say, do your best to use cash and not credit. And if you're going to use credit, pay it off in full every month. As soon as it's due, pay it off. And if you can do that, you can keep yourself, so to speak, above the water of debt and not find yourself drowning in it. And, and that requires a lot of discipline because in our society right now, everything is, a plas- is plastic or, you know, you go online and you make your purchases. So sometimes I think sometimes in our minds we think the money is there when it actually isn't <laughs> because we're just using a card. So we just swipe the card. <laughs> but if we just step back and say, you know what, I'm going to function on a cash basis and a lot, you know, $400 for groceries a month, uh, you know, $20 a week or, or whatever you want to on dining out and entertainment, you know, this much for utilities, this much for that. Um, when you allot those portions, especially for those things that you have to go and, and pay and swipe the card for, instead of swiping the card, pay cash. Yeah. Because... Yeah. When you do that, you see that the money is gone. It's almost right. like a mental yeah. trick that we're playing. Because when we use the card, we're not thinking, I no longer have XYZ amount of money on my account. But when you see the cash moving from your wallet to the cashier and maybe you get back a few little bits of change, then you realize, I don't have that money anymore. Yeah, so one of the ways to do it is keep keep using cash. Yeah. Another uh, friend of mine taught me to also um, do hourly so that whatever I'm thinking about purchasing, um, you go, well, how many hours would that take to earn? You know, how many hours yeah. am I going to work for that? Or how many hours is my husband mm-hmm. going to work for that? Or however you want to think about it. Um, how how much is that really going to cost, not just in the dollar bills, but in the in what it takes to get the dollar bills? You know, that, that's yeah, really a true. good way to look at it, too, because sometimes you think, oh, that's a good deal, and then you think, wait a second, that would take, you know, take three hours to earn that. Is that really <laughs> a good deal, you know? <laughs> so, true, true. It's very right true. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we um, don't look at it. Oftentimes we don't look at it from that perspective. That right. we need right. that. It takes time and energy and effort to earn the, the dollar bill that we're getting. Yeah, and especially when you're looking at bigger purchases like a car, um, you know, mm-hmm. you could buy this car for, the, you know, a brand new car or a just, you know, barely used car. You could buy a little older car, and it makes a huge difference to look at it that way. Um, you would really maybe make a different decision if you took time to look at how much does that really take me to get this <laughs> because I think again mm-hmm. with the plastic we kind of lose focus of, of what the money really yes. is doing. Well yes. Pamela one of the things you really encourage people to do is to save money and uh, I don't want to miss this here at the end uh, you have a unique approach that allows us to save money consistently what is that? Um, oftentimes when we talk about saving money the approach that our professional advisor would tell you is um, make sure you have an emergency fund or make sure you have those, that living expenses fund to, to, to back up, you know, in case you lose your job or in case of whatever catastrophe they, they, they tell you is possible. I, I understand that. I mean, you know, life is in a bed of roses. We can agree with that. But I think we need to look at it from another perspective. Why can't you give your savings a positive assignment? And when you do that, you'll find that it's more fun to do because you're not doing it based on worry. Because when you you say you're building your emergency fund or you're building your living expenses fund, generally speaking, you're doing it based on the fact that, you know, you think something bad is going to happen to you or to some member of your family. 
So give it a positive assignment. Um, it could be something fun like vacation. You want to take a vacation. And sometimes we, we don't give thought to this. A vacation can cost you a lot financially. Yeah. But if you gradually do it every month, every week, and you save towards it, then it doesn't become the burden that it would be when you're shelling out all the, ca- all the money you need for uh, maybe accommodation, your flight, it, it, however you're traveling, etc. But I had this friend who... Pamela, I think we lost you. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, I can hear you again now. Go back. You had a friend, okay. what were you going to say? Yes, I have a friend. She has, her goal is to always collect $2 bills, $2 notes. In Barbados, we have a $2 note. And she was, and her assignment for that $2 note was that this was her spending fund in order to go on vacation. If she couldn't acquire how much ever she assigned to that fund, she wouldn't be able to go on vacation and she wouldn't have any spending money. And To her surprise, you know, when, well, first of all, when she went to the bank with all these $2 notes, they're like, why did you keep all of these for so long? (laughs) But, you know, she she took them, she put them in a a box every time she got a $2 note. Instead of spending it, she would keep it aside, and when she gets one, she puts it in the box. That's my spending money when when I decide to go on holiday. So... For her, this is how she did it. What, what I do at home is I have one of those big baby bottles. And my mom, I, I learned this from my mom. I have like this big baby bottle with um, the top opening. And, you know, at the end of every week, I would just dump whatever change I have in my wallet, in my purse, into this bottle. And I would do that for like a year. And then my, jo- my daughter's assignment would be to count it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and, I, you know, sometimes you, we are surprised at how much you actually save just by that simple little step, right? But when I talked about, you know, giving your savings a positive assignment, let me give you some examples of a positive assignment. I talked about vacation, but maybe you want to have a, a fund for your daughter's education or your child's education or, or you have that goal that you want to have a suffice, a sufficiently big uh, down payment to purchase a home. That's just something exciting to look forward to. And you don't want to start, you don't want to be looking for a house, but you don't have the money. And when you find the house that you want to go for, you realize, oops, I don't have enough. But if, if you... You could even do it this way. If you don't want to put the money on a bank account just yet, you know, you could stick up a picture in your bedroom of, a, um, of the house of your dreams and under it have a little box, house fund. <laughs> and start that way if, if you want to do that. But for me, because it's a house and it's such a big one, I think I'll go with automated savings. So basically just have the bank set up a, a, a reoccurring payment to your savings account with respect to the house fund. But name the stuff so that you know why you're saving. Give the savings a reason, and a really good one, a really positive one. Even something like, um, you know, when you save with a positive, um, when you give your savings a positive assignment, consider that, you know, I've set aside money because there could be some, there's a business opportunity you're considering but you know you need a certain amount of money in order for you to start. So maybe you set aside funds enough for you to do that startup business that you've been dreaming right. about or thinking right. about. So yeah, great, think great about strategy. where you are. Yeah. Think about where you are in life. Think about what you want to accomplish. And then let your savings reflect the things that you want to do going forward. This is Marnie Swedberg, and this has been such a great hour. We are at the end of our time, Pamela. Thank you so much for joining us well, today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Marnie. Yep, and you guys can learn more about Pamela over at her website, Pamela 
V as in Victor, Pamela V. Carmichael, C-A-R-M-I-C-H-A-E-L.com, PamelaVCarmichael.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Marty's Friends, and I hope you have a wonderful week, and I hope that you'll be able to apply some of these money management strategies that we've been talking about today. Have a good one. Bye-bye.